Hello? Yeah, here we go. Hey guys, thanks for uh, thanks for sticking around. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna jump in so you guys can get home, get get studying if you want. Uh, but I am really excited about tonight. I think the goal of late nights is to be helpful and to answer the questions that you have, because this one's a QA. Uh, but if we ever do them in the future, it's the questions that we think you might have uh, that, that are maybe uh, harder to talk about in a, a sermon. So I've We've all actually all introduced ourselves tonight because uh, we all got on the stage at one point. But even I just want to say, uh, Abby, Austin, just like really respect uh, them and their wisdom. And uh, I, I just get to play the role of question asker, facilitator. We'll see if I jump in at all. Uh, but uh, sometimes I can't help myself. Uh, but I like am totally stoked for you guys to learn uh, from them. And so, uh, just a couple disclaimers before we get started. Uh, we had questions submitted previously. Uh, we're having questions come in live, so show me grace as I try to navigate that. Um, and we're going to try to get through as many questions as possible. We won't get to all of them. Uh, we may not get, like, uh, exactly where you want us to go, but also want you to know that we're around. So whether it's after tonight or you write down your question or you text one of us, uh, we'd love to answer your question after Salt Company or after church sometime and talk a little bit uh, more about it. So number is on the screen as you guys uh, want to uh, text in again. Uh, we'll see how, how many questions we get to. But uh, Austin, Abby, you guys ready to go? Let's roll. Cool. Okay. Topic one, we covered four topics in the, in the Pleasures of God series. If you weren't there uh, for all the, all the messages, no problem at all. But uh, one of the topics we covered is alcohol. So, Abby, question for you. Uh, this is what the person wrote in. I know alcohol is a gift from God and should be enjoyed in good context. But if the drinking age is different in other countries, and if the age is so subjective, if the age is so subjective, um, is it a sin if you are drinking responsibly? Because what's the difference if I would go to Mexico and it would be legal there? It's a good question. It is a good question. Yeah. So to put it really simply to start, and then I'll quick explain, is that it it really doesn't matter what the drinking age is in another country, but it matters what your governing authorities say. So I'm getting that from Romans 13. So Romans 13, 1 through 2 says, Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. So what that text is really simply saying is that for the Christian, we, we live in submission to God. And in Romans 13, God's saying, hey, live in submission to your governing authorities because I have put them above you. I have called you to submit to them. So the difference is you don't live in, in Mexico. You live here. And so actually we're called to honor God by living in submission to him, by actually just living in submission to what our governing authorities say, no matter what we think about it or if we think they chose the right age or if other countries chose a different age. So that's what I would say. Yeah, that's, that's a really good answer. Um, Austin, kind of on a, in a similar vein of drinking, I feel like uh, we have 
maybe someone in here has like experienced this um, change where, okay, I used to like go out and had all these friends that partied and now I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't party as much. I was so thankful uh, to like learn that, man, maybe God has a, has a different life for me, but all my friends still party. So how do I maintain these friendships with all the unbelievers that continue to party even if I decide not to? Totally. <clears throat> Here's... It's tricky, isn't it? Because your life is changing. There's a transformation happening. So if you yourself as a person are going to look different, that means your relationships with people near you are also going to look different. So as an overarching statement, it doesn't mean right away, oh, got to stop being friends with these people. That's not what the right immediate response might be. But maybe what you do with those friends does change. So, for example, if what you did with those friends was uh, each weekend you're going to the bars and you're going there to drink underage, but now you're realizing, hey, I actually I want to respect my governing authorities. I don't want to actually do that anymore. But I still want to hang out with my friends. Maybe now you just enter a little period of creativity in how can I still hang out with these friends, enjoy the people they are, but not do those same things that I was doing? And you might be thinking, that sounds like not fun. They might not be even down to do that. Uh, if that's the case, I just want to encourage you a period of stepping away, even from uh, like going to the bars, for example, is worth it for the sake of even your ability to realize that there is a way to have fun outside of that. And then maybe you've got the opportunity to uh, like enter back into other ways of friendship. But I feel like I've heard it a couple times be like, well, what if I just like keep going and doing, going to the same places, just knowing that I'm not going to drink and maybe I can even share the gospel there. Uh, just quick tip. Not super helpful to enter into the same place that you were experiencing a bunch of temptation right away and expect that there's going to be just like an easy no. So I just recommend take some time away. Take some time to actually like understand how to say no, really. Mm. We want to help you do that. Create fun things for you to do outside of drinking on the weekends. Uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to transition out of the topic of alcohol, if your question wasn't answered, I apologize, uh, but we have to keep moving. So we're going to transition into the topic of sex. Austin, you got the question that everyone here wants to know. <laughs> the question is this, how far is too far in a dating relationship? What's included in, like the Bible talks a lot about sexual immorality, that it uses that phrase what, what does that mean? Like, help us put some language around that, some boundaries around that. Totally. So, want us to be kind of on the same page even of what is God's design for sex? Genesis chapter 2 talks about this. And he, the author of Genesis is saying, Adam knew his wife. That's like the language that he uses around uh, the act of sex, that he knew her, he was with her, and that's because sex is deeply like a bonding thing. Uh, and basically, any like when they talk about sexual immorality, that is 
any act that is outside of the design. So if the design is one man, one woman who are in covenantal like marriage relationship, not leaving, then sexual immorality is as if, like acting as if you are married when you're not. So it's doing the things that are reserved for and beneficial for a man and a woman who are married, doing those things when you're not married. So too far... Here's a helpful way that I've heard it. Everybody wants to know this. Too far. What is that? Is it actually having sex? Is it hand stuff? Whatever. No, okay. Too far is if your body is your sexual being. So your body actually like gets ready to have sex. If your body is getting ready to have sex uh, and you're not married, then that is too far. I think you know what I mean. And that can just be like a helpful flag. Hey, oh, all right. I'm too, let's stop. Does that, does that answer the question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Abby, you want to color it in? Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. It's true. He's right. I agree. I just want to say, too, with that, that it is really important, you guys, in dating relationships to practice fast and full confession in community because we need people to help us follow Jesus. And especially in dating relationships, we actually need people who don't just have oh, like a window into our relationship, but actually have invited, you've invited into your relationship to say, will you point out things to me that I'm not seeing? Or, hey, will you be a good spiritual friend to me and actually help steer me back in the right direction if we have gone too far? And so we just encourage you, be quick about confessing to somebody that is not your boyfriend or girlfriend. You should not be just confessing sin to them, but actually you should be confessing primarily to that those same gendered, gospel-centered groups and confess specifically. So full confession, the gospel actually frees us and enables us to not be ashamed of the sin that we committed last night, but I can actually specifically confess to you and bring that to you because Jesus paid for that on the cross for me. And then ask your friend, will you help keep me accountable? This is not just what we did, but this is how we got there. Will you help me set boundaries? And that is gonna, that's going to make for amazing God-centered relationships. So just want to add that in there. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. You guys both did a great job with a tough question. Uh, so, Austin, back to you. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing them right at you, Austin. Uh, so the Bible, when it talks about sexual immorality, it doesn't just say like, hey, don't commit sexual immorality, but it says flee sexual immorality. But I think, man, a lot of us in the room, that's like we've already gone too far, right, in a dating relationship. It's too late for that. Uh, how, like, how do you move forward? How do you feel redeemed and forgiven after already, like, having sex? How, how do you move forward with that as a, as a believer? Totally. First thing I want to say is you are not trapped in a situation and forced to sin. If you are in Christ, from Romans chapter 6, it talks about the one who is in Christ is free from sin, like free from the bondage of sin. And I think sometimes we think that it's like one of those bee traps, 
where they lure the bees in with the juice, and then they enter into this thing, but then you can't get out, right? That sin is this thing that once we've gone too far, we're just stuck, can't get out. No, that's not true. Jesus breaks the chains of bondage from your sin because you are, you are now a new creation, so you're not a slave to sin anymore. So just want to encourage you, hey, you can actually be free and live a new life. Um, and one of my favorite stories of fleeing sexual immorality in the Bible is from Genesis 39. I read this again this morning because I was thinking about it. And it's Joseph, okay? Dude is being seduced by Potiphar's wife. She's trying to get some of him. And, okay. It's in the book. It's in the book. It is. Read it. Genesis 39. Check it out. This is what, this is what happens. She's like luring him in, right? She grabs his cloak, probably just like a one-piece garment. So you just need one swift stroke, and it's off. So she does that, and this is what Joseph does. Homie books it out of the building, <laughs> naked. He's probably like grabbing a platter on his way out, you know? Yeah, like totally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Guys, I, I like seriously needed to hear uh, that that's how you flee sexual immorality, Run from it. Whatever it is better to run out of your apartment naked than to than to go fall into sin. I've never done it. I don't, I don't, I've never done that. I should have. I should have. I should have. I'm not sure if Saul Company can fully endorse that. Anyway, you might get arrested. Okay. Can I touch on the, uh, on the second part of the question, though, the how do you feel like fully forgiven yeah, please, please, and that, redeemed? Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I am, like, living in this because part of my story is uh, going too far. And, yeah, there's just, like, parts of my life. I need to remind myself, no, I, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. Um, and it can be easy to, to just like let yourself get in your head and, and think that you're not. So just want to encourage you with something that has been really encouraging for me, that we are in Christ, fully forgiven from and free from the penalty of sin right now, being freed from the power of sin, and one day we'll be fully free from the presence of sin. Okay. Jesus took the penalty away. If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. That sin does not define you anymore. But there is also a real consequence that comes from sin. So there's real pain. There's real hurt that can come from sexual sin. And that isn't necessarily going to go away right now. There will be consequences from that. I have to live with that. I know a lot of people in this room like, we got to live with that. And that sucks sometimes, but we are day by day growing in our knowledge of the power that we have over our sin to even just like fight the sin itself and fight the shame. The gospel heals our shame and we are free from it. And one day when we spend eternity with Christ in the new creation, we will be fully free from even the presence of sin. And that's a day that I look forward to and I'm pumped about. Yeah, that's 
good. Penalty, sorry, I was thinking of it. Penalty, power, presence. That's a good, that's even like a good way to think about the gospel. Anyways, thanks, Austin, for that. Uh, okay, Abby, kind of transitioning from that, uh, um, kind of similar to the alcohol question in, in some ways. What, what happens, like this was the question, my boyfriend wants to keep having sex, but I feel convicted to stop. What do I do? So that could be boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, you know, depending. But, right. yeah, that's, that's tough. Mm-hmm. I love this question. I'm going to answer it quickly. But if this is you, I would love to have a greater conversation with you about it. But first thing, so I'm assuming that a major conversation has not happened yet. So that is my assumption as I answer. First thing I would do is pray. I was reminded by Charles Spurgeon that when we pray, we're like ringing the alarm bell to God. goes straight to his ears. Crazy. So Charles Spurgeon, great dead guy. Awesome. First thing you should do, pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for him. Pray for God to do in him what you're desiring him to do. Pray for the conversation. Ask for wisdom of what this conversation should look like. And then I would bring in a same gendered believing friend, like a good pal that is going to, he loves you enough to encourage you in godliness and also challenge you in godliness. So I'd bring in that friend and be like, okay, one, will you pray with me? Also, here's what I'm thinking about saying. What do you think about this? Ask them to speak into it. And then talk with your friend about what you're going to do if your boyfriend or girlfriend does not respond in the way that you want them to. Here's why I say that. Because when you get in the moment with that person, you care a lot about them. And you, you guys have, this person has had sex. And so that actually does bond you like like Austin was talking about, where when you get in that moment, if they're not responding the way that you want, you're, you're clouded vision. It's hard to think straight and clearly. So it's helpful to decide, okay, what am I going to do if they don't respond in the way that I want? And then, man, if that person does not respond by saying, yes, let's stop, let's put up boundaries, whatever, I would say, stop dating that person kindly. It's unfair to ask them to keep dating them, expecting something that they're unwilling to do. And it's not, it's, it's not helpful. And then just older sister advice too would be, man, guys, want, date somebody that wants to set the pace in purity. Date somebody that wants to, to run after purity more than you do. Don't, don't settle for like this neutral, fine, fine. You want it, I don't really want it, but I want to date you, so I'm just going to be fine with it. No, like there's, there's better, there's better out there for you. So that would be my sort of quick response. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to answer a question someone wrote in uh, really quickly. I'd lo- same thing as Abby. I would love to talk to whoever wrote this question in, but the question is, I've hurt people with sexual sin previously, and they won't forgive me, so how can I forgive myself? And just want to say, the one who's most important forgives you. And you can, like, go to the persons, that people that you've hurt maybe, and say, and apologize, and ask for forgiveness. And what, what 
why you can forgive yourself is because the God of the universe who created sex looks at you and says, you are forgiven in me. You are pure in me. You have a new life, a new identity in me. And so I like, if you're the person that wrote this question, I want you to know when you leave your seat that you're sitting in right now, you can forgive yourself because Jesus has forgiven you and he displayed it on the cross. Okay, so uh, yeah, would love to would love to follow up with uh, the person, or if it's a female and wants to follow up with Abby, um, please. Uh, okay, another kind of hot hot topic issue. You guys can both jump in a little bit, but can you explain why masturbation is a sin? Um, I think, especially uh, like man, I'm sure a guy wrote it can be painful sometimes for men, like not to. So how do you, like, think through that, Austin? First part of the question is, like, explain why it's a sin. Want to go back to God's design for sex being this unifying bond that's happening. So each part of this sexual act, even, like, the orgasm itself, like, this release, is it, it's so that we would be bonded to one other person. And so, when we are, if, if masturbation is reaching that end, you're kind of hijacking this good gift and design that was meant to unite and bond two people, and you're now doing it in secret, in private, and basically, and there's a lot connected with this because I think, especially now, so easy to access pornography, and that's all mixed in, and it's these things mimicking sex, but it isn't sex itself, and it's, we're teaching ourselves things that are distorting our view of sex and why it's a good gift. Um, so, but the, I guess the, like, most easy, straightforward way to, to say why is it a sin is because it's, it's using that good gift of sex, but it's doing it outside of the design, once again, and so it's doing it uh, for self-pleasure, not even for the pleasure of your partner. It's um, in secret, it's alone, and it's not using it as this bonding thing. Yeah. Um, was there a second part to that question? second part of the question is, like, what happens when it's, like, physically painful not to do it? Oh, totally. Hey, just want to remind you, God created your body, and... He's not going to create a function that is going to cause you to sin. And so actually like your body, is, if you're a male, there is actually something built in to your system that if you don't masturbate, uh, you're going to be all right. And it'll be okay. And that can be hard to believe in the moment. Seriously, it can be. Uh, and there's also a part in, there's a, there's a verse in Romans 3 that I think of often. It says, should we do evil so that good may come? By no means. And I think that's just helpful because I don't want to do something wrong in order to reach an end that I think is okay because that collectively is actually not walking uh, according to what God says is good. Yeah, yeah and I want to speak to the, to the men and women in the room on behalf of the women in the room. I think that especially with this topic like masturbation and including pornography in it, I think there's this stigma that it is a either male-only 
sin struggle or a male-dominated sin struggle. And I just want to say that's just not true. It is a sinner's <laughs> issue, and men and women are both sinners. And I think that sometimes when people hear that talked about, whether it's like from the stage of male only or like in conversations, whatever, it creates this double layer of shame in women of, oh, not only, not only, if, oh, this is a male issue, so, okay, that makes me feel, one, I just feel bad about it, but then now I also feel like I'm a unique female that is struggling with this, so that makes me different and bad and whatever. And so, want to say, if you are a female that does struggle with pornography and or masturbation, want you to know you're not alone and that you can confess it and bring it to the light. And if you are a female that does not struggle in those ways, there's probably women around you that do. And I found it really helpful to just even in, in, in places like Campus Group to say, hey, we, I know women that struggle with this. If it's you, you can bring it, you can bring it to the light. Just wanna, just wanna make, say that to the group. I just found that to be helpful, so. Yeah, I wanted to wanted to speak on behalf of the women. That's good. Uh, okay, this was a question sent in, uh, so I'm going to give you guys your single best tip. The question is this. I feel like a lot of the pornography, masturbation, sin is done in private, right? No one's watching. No one's looking. So how do you keep yourself accountable and disciplined when no one is watching? So it can be in regards to sexual sin, but it doesn't have to be only in regards to sexual sin. Your single best tip. How do you keep yourself accountable and disciplined when no one is watching? My grandpa said someone's always watching. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> He's right. His grandpa's not wrong. Is that all you're going to say? Hey, that's your one line. He said one line. All right. Gra grandpa said someone's always watching. He was talking about God, and he was not wrong. What I'll say, thing number two is... Confess in temptation. I think sometimes we wait to, I confess after I've sinned, but we forget to confess when we're being tempted. Call somebody. <laughs> Literally pick up the phone and call that friend. Literally say, I'm being really freaky and tempted to do this right now. And let them, let them remind you what's true. Yeah, my one thing, make the goal of your life not to be a sexually pure person, but to be a holy person. And that will, like, when you fall into sexual temptation, allow you to confess, not because your goal is to be a holy person, right? So you didn't fall short of the standard. You're, like, walking into the standard um, in, in holiness. Okay, uh, we're transitioning to Sabbath. Uh, Abby, uh, what's the difference between Sabbath or, like, resting, true rest and escapism? Uh, and then how do you Sabbath? Yeah, I think escapism is running from something to gain something that will never satisfy you, where Sabbath is running to a person who's the only one who can satisfy you. So I think escapism is like I'm, I'm feeling something that I actually need to release or like, yeah, just disengage, empty my mind. But in Sabbath, we're, we're remembering who God is and resting in the person of Christ. So I laughed when you said, when you started talking about food, because when I Sabbath, it has to include good food. So that's like, 
food. I love to go on walks. I love coffee, so I get the fancy coffee when I Sabbath. Like, just delighting in. Delighting in God through delighting in the gifts that he's given. Yep. It's so good. You have anything to add or not? <laughs> well, you didn't ask for me, so I... I'd love you to ask, sprinkle See, or tell us tell us about your Sabbath, Austin. Austin loves Sabbath. Yeah, Don't I do. You? It's awesome. Uh, basically, here's how I like to rest. I just like to do things that I love. I don't know. It's pretty simple, but I love basketball, so nice. I try to play basketball. I love like creating art, either music or like graphic design stuff. So I've started doing some of that on Fridays. Follow his Instagram. He has a design page. He won't plug it, but I will. It's really cool. I almost plugged it too. A Mills Studio, something like that. It's cool. I, I told you I, he's called A Mills. Oh, is that this it? This is awkward. <laughs> I kind of changed. I don't. He you changed guys, it. I changed it to AustinMiller.co. Oh, I don't know. Should I change? Maybe I should change it back to A Mills Studio. I don't know. You should put a vote on the Salt Minneapolis page for what the name <laughs> of the studio page should be. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But oh. anyway. Uh, okay. I love spending time with God and like thanking God for pretty ordinary things that just give me life. So man, do things that you just love doing fill you up. I think basketball with friends fills me up. I think reading a good book. I read the space trilogy recently. I was talking about that interplanetary travel and salvation. Unreal. And C.S. Lewis is very good. Um, I'm also a big food guy. Specifically on Fridays, McDonald's. So I eat McDonald's on Fridays. And after all company. A and dollar large fry. Come on. Unbeatable. Uh, okay, this series was called The Pleasures of God. Ba- the, the basis of it was God's designed us to live lives of pleasure. How do you see the pleasures of that God has gifted to you in your life, and how do you pursue them rightly? I want you each to answer it, and maybe like a two sentence, how do you just delight in the pleasures God has gifted to you and how do you see them rightly? Yes. I'll go first. God as father is huge for me on this one because when he is rightly a good and perfect father that loves to give me good gifts, that makes me more excited to like explore his world and believe him and want to experience the joy that he has set before me. So I like to think of God as my father, uh, especially when I want to like enjoy what he's made. Um, another thing, when, when Colin talked about humility in resting, humility in Sabbath, I think it can be easy to really hate your life if you always think uh, I deserve better. And so oftentimes for me, I just need to simply recall that I uh, am a sinner that has been saved and I really don't deserve the stuff that I've been given. And so when that's my perspective, my friends become way more fun to hang out with. Ice cream tastes amazing. Uh, It's just like little things get really exciting and it's because I don't deserve it. That's how I enjoy life. That's good. I would say... Gifts given and gifts received will never take the place of the gift giver. So I think the thing that threatens this for me is just idolatry. So idolatry is the overlove of something. It's loving a good gift just a little bit too much. And I found that when I make 
the gifts that I've been given by God into a God thing, that's when they get ruined. And I don't actually enjoy them because I've made them something that they were never meant to be. So remember the gift giver. Guys, there, there are so many good questions, and some of them, like, branched away from our series in an amazing way, and we just didn't have time to get to them. Uh, please ask me, ask Abby, ask Austin. We'd love to answer those questions, again, tonight or another time. Um, but I just want to pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll be done for the evening. Gotta, I love what was just said. place that we enjoy. Uh, Help us to see all the gifts that you've given to us, uh, from alcohol to work to sex to Sabbath, all as giant arrows pointing to the goodness of a Father who loves us. And God, uh, yeah, there was some heavy stuff talked about tonight, and uh, I pray the loudest thing that people here and leave with is forgiven in Christ. There is no condemnation.